everybody, what's happening? It's Thursday, April 8th, and you are listening to the second ever edition of the No Pucks Given Podcast. So, looking back at episode one, our first ever attempt at a podcast, how do you think we did, man? Uh, I'm a bumbling idiot. <laughs> How many times did you actually listen to the first podcast? All the way through, uh, once. One I time? listened to parts of it back a couple times, but all the way through once. I think I went four or five I times. I wish I could do that. No, no jokes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all about the diet, man. Yikes. Yeah, I think I went four or five times through, uh, just trying to find, you know, where we could improve. And at the end of it, I, I think there's quite a few areas that we can improve. But that's all right, man. I, I think the fact that we got through it and we just posted it up, you know, for any of you listening, we didn't do it twice. We didn't do it three times. We just did it Ugh. once. So it, it was it was all in on the on the first shot. But what did you take away from that that first recording? Lots to improve upon. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll definitely get there. You and I were just talking a little bit ago on the phone about professionals that, that do this and even, you know, amateurs like you and I that do this. And it goes without saying that MVSW is is our inspiration. There's a there's a handful of podcasts out there that we listen to daily or weekly. And just the way those guys communicate the way they present their podcast. I just, I love everything about it and I'm not sure we can ever, you know, touch those guys, but I know you yeah. like to, but, <laughs> oh, but they're so good. And we were talking about the, the dichotomy of Greg Wyshynski and Jeff Merrick and what they bring to the table they're so fluent. They're so smooth. They're funny as hell. We're not going to really try and, and match those guys. I don't think we'll ever be able to. But, hey, man, if you guys are listening, you guys are awesome. And you're a huge inspiration to what we're trying to do. We love hockey, and that's what we're here to talk about. But we definitely want to to make improvements and, and up our game as we get into this. And, but I think it's a pretty good start. We're doing episode two here within a week. I'd say uh, I'd say we got a good a good thing going, Dustin. I hope so. I hope so. It's been a, a long a long standing dream of mine, as you know. I've been trying to get you to do this for years. So yeah, you have. You've you've actually been just as much of an inspiration to do something like this as as people like that because you know I've always been the the journalistic approach type. I like to write, and as you know. I can do a 10-page thesis on Braden Shen, but this is nice. We can actually sit down, and I mean, we have these conversations anyways. Why not go ahead and and uh, record it and put it out yeah, there? Yeah, you, uh, you like to write stuff. I like to run my mouth and be annoying, so it works out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, here yeah, we are. Here I am. A um, couple things we forgot to mention in the first episode, kind of key, key mentions. Uh, we do have a Twitter account that 
we haven't really used much, but it exists. It's at No Pucks Podcast. And we also have a Gmail account, nopuckspodcast at gmail.com. We'd really like to be interactive, get involved with, with anyone that's listening. I'm not sure anyone's listening beyond uh, a couple of relatives of ours, a couple of friends yeah. <laughs> at this point. But seriously, give us a give us an email or, or shoot us a tweet and uh, we'll, we'll try to keep in touch. We'll try to answer questions. I'd like to get as deep and involved in this podcast as possible. And, you know, who knows, man? I, one of the things that I love about these these guys that have been around for, for so long and doing podcasts on the regulars, they have guests. I'd love to have guests one day. It's it's not without, it's not outside of the realm of possibilities. So let's keep it going, man. Uh, we are we just were approved for the iTunes store. So you can find us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher. We started on SoundCloud, still on mm-hmm. SoundCloud, and also TuneIn. I haven't really uh, heard many people uh, using TuneIn for podcasts, but they do it, and we submitted, so... Um, we've been approved on all those uh, networks as well, so you can find us anywhere. So no matter your device or setup, whatever you got, you can find us. Find us wherever you need to. Yeah, in, in terms of social media, Twitter is the main driver. Everybody's on Twitter. You get a lot of information on Twitter. So we're going to stick to that for now. We may get into the Facebook thing and and all of that, but for now, we're just going to upload the podcast on as many as many outlets as possible. So wherever you get your wherever you get your podcasts from, find us there. Uh, if if you want it on something else, just just let us know. Uh, we're gonna try to grow this as as quickly as possible. So, should we get into some hockey? I, mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what we're here for. Friday night was huge, man. Friday night Thursday was night? huge. There were so many. Do I yeah. mean Thursday night? Oh, you're good. It. I mean Thursday night. It is Friday night. Thursday night was huge, man. It was huge. There were so many playoff implications, so many top teams matching up against each other, a lot of, of juggling between teams vying for, for division championships. We get a good look at, at potential matchups. We don't really want to get too much into the matchups just yet because there's so many different Not only that, but I guess I will, I will let the cow out of the bag uh, here. But once these matchups are set, we do plan on doing a playoff preview and breaking down matchups and mm-hmm. what we think about the matchups, players involved, injuries, or just whatever have you, all the nuances of each matchup. So we aren't going to get too much into that because we do want to give you that as a as a nice episode there. So Yeah, there's not much point in, in looking too deeply into any potential matchups. We're going to find out here in the next couple of days that the regular season's almost over, so... We might as well wait until we have some solid answers as to who is going to play who. We can take a look at those matchups, injuries, uh, and and so forth, and and really give you a a good opinion on what we think is going to happen. But out of all the games that happened on Thursday night, and there were a lot of them, thankfully there's only one tonight, so we can actually take a break, talk about last night's hockey. Boston, Philadelphia, and Detroit all played, all trying to get into the Eastern Conference playoffs. It's a tight race, but Boston came up real big with a 5-2 win against the Detroit Red Wings. They take second in the wild card with 93 points. They're tied with the Wings for third in the Atlantic. Boston has one game remaining against the lowly Senators tomorrow. They need to win that game. But also, the Flyers need to fail in their remaining two 
to guarantee Boston anything. Well, the other 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 side of that is the if 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 the Bruins lose to Ottawa, which I don't foresee happening, and if uh, Philly loses to Pittsburgh and the Islanders, which could easily happen, the Red Wings don't have to do anything. They're they're in the driver's seat because of what is it, non shootout wins or something something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's the first time. Yeah, and they've got that on Boston because they've been tied in points. They've got that. Um, the Red Wings will be okay if everybody else just epic fails. But uh, I was really hoping that the Wings would uh, handle business there. But that was, that was a lot to ask. That 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 Philly game took a lot out of them. They they really really put the screws to Philly with uh, a lot of hard skating and effort. Uh, you just watched the play of Ablocator and Glenn Denning in that game. Uh, you knew it was going to be rough go against Boston and Boston's been really resilient and playing well as of late. So the outcome of that game doesn't particularly, uh, particularly surprise me, but Detroit needed to do that because now they, now they got to beat New York. If they want to guarantee themselves anything, I mean, they're, they're good. If they, if they want to guarantee themselves, anything, they got to beat New York on Saturday. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a tall order. It just is. Cause you never know with New York, man. Like they haven't been the most consistent team all year, but they can they can crush you. And the Red Wings, as we've seen all season, they can be crushed at any moment. They can have a game where they get really awful amount of scoring chances. Special teams aren't aren't kicking it. Uh, we've seen that their power play numbers are not very good this season. So they've picked they've no. picked up uh, here in the latter stages. They've been playing better on, on special teams, but o- over the course of the season, special teams have been pretty bad. So that's a that's a huge game. Uh, Detroit has to beat New York, and I don't even know what to think about that. And as we are admitted Red Wings fans, I'm I'm scared. I was really hoping they would take care of business against Boston. Uh, didn't happen. <laughs> we're, we're it's 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 a really lucky scenario that uh, the Maple Leafs put the screws onto the Flyers. So keeps them out of the picture. As long as the Flyers are out of the picture, the Red Wings are in. So it, we'll see what happens. And that's that's how it <clears throat> how it basically went down on Thursday night. Uh Detroit loses to Boston, as we said, and the Flyers lose to the Maple Leafs. Uh we'll look a little deeper into these into these teams, kind of team by team. Uh like we said, we're not going to go ahead and go into all the matchups, but these three teams in particular, I want to take a look at with you tonight and just talk about them a little bit. A couple of interesting topics that are going to come up here through the rest of the, the regular season, which isn't much, the postseason and then the offseason. Um, start with the Boston Bruins. Claude Julian has got to get this team into the playoffs, Dustin. The, the Bruins as an organization can't miss two in a row Otherwise, the word on the street is that Claude Julian could be without a job. Not for long, because he's Claude Julian. He'll get a job. And I can't help but think that firing Claude Julian would be a terrible, terrible mistake for, for this franchise. No, Are it, you it on would, par be, with that it would be awful. Uh, they might miss, but... <clears throat> excuse me. They, they might miss, and yeah, it'd be two years in a row. Um, You know, I... I hate to be that old school hockey kind of guy, or maybe you you were just joking about Brian Burke before we started recording. I hate to be that the old truculence type of guy, but um, they just don't have the same attitude. Like you know that that two that that uh, run against the Vancouver Canucks that that playoff year what was that two thousand eleven? Yeah, two thousand eleven. 
Um, losing a guy like like Lucic, I know Lucic hasn't been horribly productive, but a present. I'm I'm not I'm not going into this to say that they're they're not doing so well because of Lucic. It just the mindset and the direction of that team has changed over the past year and a half, and I know you'd agree with me on that. Like the mindset and development and where that team is headed is different. I mean, you ship out a guy like Lucic, that's that's pretty huge. And not only that, um, I know he had a rough go of it at the beginning after being traded to Calgary, but um, Dougie Hamilton, the last third of the season for Calgary, was gnarly, like real gnarly. Like I, I actually heard some other podcasts talking about like if you would assist, if you would have taken his production and play over like the last third to quarter of the season and and stretched that out over the full year, he'd be in a top ten defenseman conversation. I've heard that. So. It, yeah, well, and you gotta you gotta figure too that that uh, Johnny Boychuk isn't that far removed from that. No, and like, and but and, Johnny Johnny Boychuk's a hard nosed guy, so you got a guy like Johnny Boychuk, you got a Milan Lucic, and I hate to say this because he's been one of my favorite players. You know, I I grew up playing defense, and uh, one of my favorite players, Dano Chara. He's you know you give the past two and a half years, Dano Chara's just not been himself. So um, no. Not to say well, he's been ineffective. He's, he's not just getting not any younger. Himself, so, <laughs> you know what? I've to to be completely honest with you, man. I thought we were going to see a different Chara this season. I thought Chara was was really really going to struggle this season, and he's proven me wrong. the 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 Boston team, Claude Julian, has proven me wrong because I really didn't give this team much of a shot uh, at, at making a strong playoff bid this year especially looking at that blue line, but the difference makers have it's, been it's, beyond Clyde it's, Julian. It's Brad Marchand. If you, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to put it into a basket and say what's really <laughs> gone on this year, Brad Marchand's had himself a hell of a year. And like, oh, and yeah. the, the thing is we saw in the past that he's had the offensive capability, but then he kind of sputtered off the last little like couple years or whatever, where he just, it didn't seem like it's like, oh, okay, he's settling himself into a role. But then this year with uh, more young kids in the lineup, um, evidence as Red Wings fans by like you know they picked up Landon Ferrar on waivers and just threw him in the lineup. He's been there ever since. Um, he, there's just there was a role that he needed to fill there, and he's he's just done it. You know, and, and didn't see that happening either. Thirty-seven goals, man. That's thirty-seven ridiculous. goals, sixty points in seventy-six dude, games. Thirty-seven. Dude, you know what? I don't goals. even think Phil Kessel has thirty-seven goals. No, Phil. No, I. I'd be surprised. Exactly. Everybody, you know, everybody always throws those terms. Oh, he's a 40 goal. He's a 40 goal scorer type. Look at how many 40 goal seasons Kessel's had. I don't even know if he's had one. I think he's, I think he's come close like a handful of times, but then you look at that Brad Marchand, 37 goals and a bunch of them. I I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think he's, he's scored a nice handful of shorties or a few shorties. I do believe he leads the league in in shorthanded points. Yeah. Well, and you got to figure that Patrice Bergeron has a lot to do with that as well. I mean, Patrice Bergeron is, <laughs> is for my money, the best two-way player in the game. Best defensive forward. Probably going to be your Selkie well, winner. Not always, but Taves is be. right there too. Nah, he should be. Taves is right there too, but, but Bergeron's possession numbers are, are outstanding this season. I was taking a look at, at the possession stats for the Bruins recently. And it's pretty good. So Marshan's 15.1 shooting percentage matches exactly his career average. So this isn't an anomaly for, for Brad Marshand. 
Marchand's playing to his abilities this season, and the Bruins are benefiting. So they can obviously score. They're ranked fifth in goals per game, fourth in shots per game. Big reason why they took out Detroit 5-2 last night, because Detroit is a negative in the goal differential, whereas Boston's a, a positive. Boston's plus 15, Detroit's minus 12. That's been Detroit's Achilles heel for the last couple of years. That's what we've been complaining about as Red Wings fans is their inability to score. But the the big difference to me beyond Marchand, beyond Bergeron, <clears throat> beyond the fact that, that Char is still playing, <laughs> to be quite honest, is that Louis Erickson has finally started to look like Louis Erickson again. So the Bruins had a big decision to make at the trade deadline. They decided to go ahead and hang on to him and hope to re-sign him in the offseason. They could have dealt him and they could have gotten a lot in return. Instead, what Don Sweeney decided to do was go ahead and acquire a couple of players. He got Lee Stemniak. He got John Michael Lyles. He made a statement to his organization that, no, we're not going to give up. We're going to make a playoff push. I think that's a big thing for for an organization to do for its fan base, especially one of the Boston Bruins. This is a team that, that needs to win right now. So Erickson's going to command, what would you say, seven, six and a half million in the offseason? What's your guess? Uh, depends on what his priorities are. But uh, if I, if I want to I want to rewind just a, a, t- a tad bit, they they had to mm-hmm. do that. And like the uh, the thing that a lot of people call bullshit on is uh, – if you're not dealing a player and he's a UFA and you're just going to let him walk, then you lose. But the the spin argument is that it's like you didn't have to make a trade at the deadline. You just you pretty much acquired the guy that you could have got gotten rid of. You know, you, I, you hear that all over the place. And the way that Erickson was playing, they couldn't just deal him. Like it wasn't one of those rush situations where like you, you, they needed to acquire something. Say Boston makes that deal and Detroit just starts keeps playing like crap because they were at the time, like around the trade deadline. We didn't. I I I really didn't think the Wings were going to make the playoffs. So imagine if Boston deals Erickson and makes the playoffs. What what are Boston's chances with him out of the lineup versus with him in the lineup? You know, mm-hmm. I I know a lot of people call bullshit on that uh, whole. Well, you acquired a player and not trading him. You know, like I I I I I actually I I give into that logic. I do, I really do because that that type of player, <clears throat> because he's a winger. There's been so there's been years in the past where a lot of people thought he should win the Selkie. He's been talked about that, and that just like Marion Hosa, he's been in that conversation when he was in Dallas. Where it's like he should be for he should be up for Selkie consideration, but the only reason he's not is because he's a winger, and that's a very important well, this, player to have. This is the best we've seen from in Louis a couple Erickson years since I would say since the time he was in Dallas. To be quite honest, he's a thirty goal scorer now. He's starting to look like the player that. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest; he's not looking like Tyler Sagan, but he's starting to look like a player that was worth acquiring. Because overall, he hasn't been that standout impact player that, that Boston's needed him to be. But this season, boy, oh boy, he, he looks pretty good. Well, he's got the head, he's got the head injury problem, and he's, he's had that on and off through his career. And that's, that's why he's not, he hasn't been that impactful consistently. But, um, man, how, how, how old is he? Do you know? I don't, yeah. Louis? Ooh. I would I would guess twenty seven. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I could look it up. Yeah, you might want to do that. I'm not entirely sure about that. 
that contract length. Like you talk, you talk about the uh, the dollar amount. You talk about it could be six, six and a half, seven. Um, yeah. My goodness. I, that's 30. what I thought. I was going to say that. I, th- I thought he was 30 or closer. And 30 is a dangerous age because you don't know how much someone has left in the tank. But he had he has played very well this year. Um, I guess in my head I subtracted three years of his invisibility. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, what I will say is, is they've actually got some sneaky good young forwards on their team. And it, his, his smart money, he might have to take a little less money, but his smart dollar would be on staying with the Bruins. Um, and taking about six because they've got good young players to kind of like the Florida Panthers where they can infuse them into the lineup all over, like all over all four lines. And they, they could I carve really, out a really good, like their depth. Yeah. They, they, he could really carve himself out a role, whether it's the second or he could eat, you could pay him that money and he could play on the third line. It'd be fine because of the, the young depth that they have. So I just, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it, but, um, he was he was a big piece in that Sagan trade. So if he walks for nothing, man, that's a huge blow and further makes Peter Shirelli look like a walking penis. Sorry. Ah, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. I I'd I'd be a little stingy personally, and I I felt like, and I understand why they kept him, but I felt like at the time I would have dealt him. The Bruins being in the position that they're in. The Bruins can get in. I think the Bruins are a better team than a lot of people have given but them they, credit. But would they, to, would they to be, be the, the, I know they're fighting for a spot right now, but would they be at this exact juncture if they would have dealt him? I say no. No. And that's the point. No, but you I, just probably said, not. You did just say that they need to win now, and especially for Claude Julien. They do. They do. So they, they don't they do they didn't really and Don Sweeney after he's made some big blunders, man. Don Sweeney's made a couple really bunk moves to like let some assets go. He had he had three first round picks in last year's draft, and my man drafted three players, I think two of which weren't even projected in the first round. Like they were if they were, they were late first round projected players. I don't know what background you know on this or not, but but point being is like he made he had three first round picks and two of those guys were heavily questioned by the hockey community. Like, why did you take those guys there? You have three first round picks in any draft. I don't care what organization you are. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. You should either trade those and trade up to like a second or third pick and do something remarkable and get a great player or make a smart pick. And Don Sweetie didn't. He his first offseason as their GM he blundered that every Boston Bruins like diehard fan knows he blundered that so I'm I'm sorry I know I'm getting off to off, off track but I'm tying that back into the the Louis Erickson decision like you like you pointed out they have to win Claude Julian is on the hot seat if he misses two years in a row he had no choice but keep him he had no choice that's my that's my I'll I'll stand on that soapbox or that anthill whatever whatever the hell you want to call it he had to keep him. He had to do it. Unless an offer was that good. Unless he acquired a first-round pick, which is not out of the question. He's a 30-goal scorer, and he's playing the lights out. Like you said, he's playing better than he has in three and a half, four years. And Antoine Vermette fetched what he did. Antoine Vermette, at last trade deadline, fetched a first-round pick and Klaus Dahlbeck to the Phoenix Coyotes. So, well, 
unless you get that kind of offer, you had to keep him. Well, Don Sweeney on draft day was playing a hunch, much much like the hunch that will be very apparent in Zidane Ochara's back in three or four more years oh, as he continues his career. <laughs> oh, God. But you know what? For me, for me, the one, bad. that's bad. The one, the one reason why they could move Louis Erickson in my mind, and I agree with you, but I disagree with you. I don't know how I would have handled Louis Erickson definitively. I saw an opportunity in my mind for the Bruins to move a, a prime asset. It is aging. He is moving past his prime. He does have injury problems. He's going to command a lot of money, and he's going to want a long-term contract. There's all these things that, that get compiled here and that, in my mind, makes it very possible to move a guy like Larry, uh, Louis Erickson. Larry Erickson. And Larry Erickson. That sounds like a basketball <laughs> player. <laughs> and uh, and depend on, on the youth, which Boston does have. I mean, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the draft picks from last season. If they can use them, Accordingly, they really didn't lose many picks or, or a lot of premium picks to acquire Lyles and Stepniak. So I like that. They moved, uh, what was it, a third and a fifth for Lyles. Uh, they moved a second in 2017, and they moved a fourth in 2016 to acquire Stepniak. Stepniak's been pretty good. He's been playing on the top line. He's got nine points. In he did go games. dead for a little uh, while. It, he did go dead for a little while, but I mean, it's it's at least Stepniak. I mean, how much are you really gonna? He was on on fire Stepniak for the Devils, man. Like that was weird. He was, but but so, somebody but, but had also to be so was in New Kyle Palmieri. So that just and they were playing Jordan well, Tutu on the I power mean, plays. <laughs> That's, it's, that was all kinds of messed right. up, right? Well, it's it's like you know my logic going into the the fantasy draft uh, that we had, though I didn't land one. The fact of the matter is, is you know, and this is just in, in fantasy sports, but it it, it translates to, to real NHL play or, or vice versa. Someone has to score. You know, when you've got a team that's <laughs> as offensively inept as New Jersey, somebody has to score on the team. So Lee Stempniak, Mike Camilleri, uh, I mean, even a Kyle, Pal- Kyle Palmieri or, or Jordan Tutu. I mean, you got to figure someone's going to score goals. Um but heading into to this year's draft, uh, they do have two first-round picks and two second-round picks. They got that other second-round pick because Shirelli went That's over to That's great, Edmonton, as long as they don't the, blunder it like having third three first-round as as picks in last year's draft, which they completely blundered. And I think I think, mm-hmm. and I, I like I think they two have. of those guys failed their conditioning tests at training camp, too. I think that was the other story. Oh two of those guys that they blundered on, they failed their conditioning tests going into the training camp. Yeah, I do like what they have to immediately draw from in terms of, of Ryan prospects Spooner. coming up or young players. Ryan Spooner is <laughs> Ryan Spooner's awesome, man. Uh David Pasternak, I think that was one thing that, that the Bruins may have anticipated going better this season. It might be that prototypical sophomore well, he, he's, slump he's, from, he's from David really Pasternak. Young too. He's really He's really young. I think it's he's not still even it, with, with guys that young. It's not even about the sophomore slump. It's it's just you're young. Like young guys needs a little time. They just do. Yeah, Pasternak has the ability to be that top line winger. I mean, he's he's got a ridiculous shot, man. He's just pure offense all the time. He's got to work on his defensive game a little bit, but it's going to come around. And I, that's David Pasternak 
is the reason in my mind that, that Louis Erickson can go. Yeah, also that uh, and long-term you also don't that need him. kid. Koklachev, yeah. I mean, he didn't play much this year, but when he did, it, it looked pretty good, man. It really did. And let's not forget about BC. <laughs> because we know BC's going to sign. Well, and the reason that I... Th- well, probably going to sign there. Well, did, he's a, did, he's did, a Boston did you hear kid. About, did you hear about uh, what his dad said today? I didn't hear his dad's statement today. Okay, well, here you go. Here's a nugget, because this wasn't pre-planned to talk about. Um, Jimmy Vesey actually won the Hobie Baker Award today for top college yes. player, and he and his dad were interviewed um, about the whole Nashville situation in Toronto because his dad, uh, Jim Vesey Sr., works for the Toronto Maple Leafs as a scout, and his younger brother, I think Nolan, I think his name might be Nolan Vesey, uh, was drafted by Toronto. And uh, his dad said, uh, definitively, said I, he said, my standing in the as, as someone who works for the NHL has nothing to do with where my son is going to sign, and legitimately we don't know or have any idea, you know, or any influence of where he's going to sign. And then this is the nugget that came out. He said, he said, I would actually dissuade my son from signing with Boston because of him being the hometown kid and the pressure of that. He did say definitively that I would dissuade my son from signing with the Boston Bruins. So does that mean he persuade him to play in Toronto? Well, he was trying to say all in one statement that all of that, well, I'm not telling him to come here, but. Well, the VC camp, the VC camp needs to. Shut up. Don't talk. Yeah. Just stop talking and sign where you want to sign. Don't talk. They need to stay as, as far away from a tampering case. Just stop talking. Because it's not a good look. It's not a good look. Yeah, speaking of the Hobie Baker, um, this is, you know, kind of kind of last second here, but that happened today. VC wins the Hobie Baker as, as a senior. Uh, Harvard, Harvard grad. We all know the story about VC not signing with Nashville. But I don't watch a lot of college hockey. Admittedly, I, I wish I did, but I, I don't. I watch NHL hockey. Every once in a while, I get to watch some American Hockey League or East Coast Hockey League games, but we don't get the, the kind of exposure that I'd, I'd like to get to college hockey beyond tournaments and playoff games, and we don't get the kind of exposure that I'd like to have to the OHL or the, the CHL as a whole, you know, the Q, the WHL, so on and so forth. But VC just won the Hobie Baker on 22 goals and 36 points in 33 games. He shouldn't have won it. He's a he's a third round pick by Nashville. Thatcher, Thatcher Demko, Demko should have won goaltender. It. Well, his numbers are ridiculous. I don't. His numbers are ridiculous. He's a junior, Boston College, twenty-seven, seven and four with ten shutouts. Obviously, leads the league in that. One point eight five goals against average. Uh, I can't remember. I think he ranks like fourth in that. And then a 9.36 save percentage, which is second in the nation. Second round pick for Vancouver. He's your obvious replacement for uh, Miller. <laughs> I don't know when. But then you've got the guy that I really wanted to get to in Kyle O'Connor. He is a first round draft pick of the Winnipeg Jets. He's a freshman. He led the nation in goals and points. Finished the year. With a 27-game point streak, man. He was a plus-minus 34. He had 35 goals and 71 points in 38 games. That's ridiculous in NCAA hockey. 19 multi-point games, 
points in 35 of 38. Rob Volman, you know who Rob Volman is. Super smart guy, inventor of the hockey abstract, writes books, his website. If Guys, if you haven't ever gone on a hockey abstract website, it is invaluable, the amount of information you can pull off that site. The, the player usage charts are insane. Take a look at any player at any year, see exactly what kind of minutes he's playing and what zones. We'll get into all that in the offseason. We can go into analytics because it's something that I need to I need to sharpen my tools on. But anyways, um, the kind of season that this kid had as a freshman, Rob Volman has uh, a translation chart for every league. He's made one up for the KHL, the AHL, the ECHL, you know, NCAA. And it's, it's an aggregate system that is based off of players that have played in those respective leagues and what they have translated to an NHL success. So your points totals in this league, League X, you would on average score X amount of points in the NHL. Rob Rob Volman put up a pretty interesting tweet the other day. His NHL E translation states that Kyle Connor would have scored 57 points in the National Hockey League this season. He says that there is special cases and circumstances with 18-year-olds in particular, and I'm not sure how he, he diagnoses that, but he suggests he could have scored 79 points in the NHL this season. And I mean, you talk about an effective player and a player that, that the Winnipeg Jets could have used. Man, that's my guy. I realize he's a freshman, and I, I think that you know there's a lot of talk about awards and who should get nominated for this and that in the NHL. But when I look at the Hobie Baker and I'm looking down this list and I see Kyle Connor, I realize Thatcher Demko had an incredible season. And I realize uh, VC is is an excellent player. He's he's uh, been the leading goal scorer over the last two seasons with 56. But the kind of year that Kyle Connor had as an 18-year-old freshman, oh boy, that kid's going to be uh, good. Well, if you want to go there, look at Dylan Larkin. Yeah, yeah, good, good point, Larkin. man. Did, did, did Jack Dylan Eichel. Larkin win a Hobie Baker? <laughs> did he? <laughs> no, Jack Eichel won it last year. Oh, yeah, yeah, Jack Eichel Okay, won. but you look at uh-huh. Dylan Larkin. He was a freshman. He was 18. Dylan Larkin's gross. Dylan Larkin's gross, but I would... My, my point I mean, being is just because you're a freshman and you put up gnarly numbers... And you'll see this with the. I know you. You don't. I know you don't give a damn about college sports. So, um, same with college. Same with college football. <laughs> well, whatever. I'll throw you under a bus. It's a soft bus. Don't worry about it. That's all right. Um, That's all right. College football is the same way, man. You don't see a lot of like pure freshmen win the the uh, the Heisman Trophy. I'll some. I'll, we'll probably get tweets or someone be like, "Oh yeah, they do." Nah, eh. like. It, what what's the Heisman? The Heisman Trophy, Trophy is the fuck off. <laughs> the Heisman Trophy is the equivalent of the Hobie Baker for football. Um, you know, you don't typically see that. Like Derrick Henry, running back from Alabama, won the the uh, Heisman Trophy this past season. He was, I think, he was a junior, not a freshman. Like there there are freshmen that put up crazy numbers in college sports, but they don't always get recognized for it. It is what it is, and and I'm not I'm not you know depressed about it, but I really hadn't paid a lot of attention to what was going on in the NCAA. I'd like to change that about myself in the future. Amongst other I things. I have noticed these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like my friends, oh. 
Yeah, not oh. me. <laughs> no, not you, man. Not you. Nobody else would stay up to the wee hours of the morning doing a, a podcast that no one's listening oh, to. You, you, you weren't supposed to give away that we're doing this so late. We were supposed to mask and act like it was earlier in the day and put on a whole facade for everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just ruined it. Yeah, it's six, You're pretty it's six sick, in the grubs. morning yesterday, guys. <laughs> hey, there's one game on today. I think we're safe. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's get back on track real quick. It's going to be another two-hour po- podcast. I, I can feel it. Amongst um, other things, again. One one last point. One last point on the Bruins. So I kind of see the Bruins as the next Pittsburgh Penguins. When I look around the league, the Penguins, they're in this precarious position because everyone's giving them a hard time for trading away all their assets and young players, and they've got nothing in the cupboard. They've got nothing to look forward to because they've gone all in. And it's easy to hate on the Penguins for doing this and failing to succeed. I do subscribe to the theory that Sidney Crosby's injuries in his prime didn't help things along. Well, and Geno Malkin. Never, he had injuries during that same span. And, and every year, it seems, Malkin has a problem. You, and you can't Latang. count on Malkin for a full season. And Flurry Flurry's had uh, ankle problems. Dude, all four of them, all four of their core players have had problems on and off. All yeah, four of them. Yeah, it's kind of been a tough luck situation for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It really has been. But now we look at them. And, okay, so they go out and they get Phil Kessel. Who's never been injured other than cancer. Other than cancer. Never been injured. Yeah, there's a Masterton <laughs> trophy winner right there. Such Going back to the O'Reilly situation, which we're not going to do. But there's a Masterton. Are you going to go to Tim Hortons? Uh, candidate. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. But, so the Bruins... I see them like the Penguins because they've got this core group of players. We talk about Bergeron, we talk about Marshan, we talk about Erickson, Sedano Chara, uh, Tuka Rask, you know, David Krejci, all these players. They're, Krejci. <laughs> they're really good. Krejci, me on. They're really good right now. So you've got to win right now. And they've got all these, these young players in their cupboard. And I mean, honestly, man, the only thing, the only pitfall that I see on the Bruins, besides Tuka Rask being very spotty this season, he's still an elite level goalie, man. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tear him down, but it's it's that blue line, and it's that transition game, and it's that shutdown game. They've got, you know, a few good players. Obviously, Char is a beast. Krug is okay. Okay, you you take away you take away guy. Krug from that mix. All they really have is big guys that can play defense. But don't skate well. You've got Adam McQuaid, one, Zdeno Chara, two, Dennis Seidenberg, three, and you've got uh, Kevin Miller, four. All big guys with not great foot speed and agility. Mm-hmm. That is not a good recipe, and that's why Tory Krug is as vital as he is to that team, and exactly why losing Doug, losing Dougie Hamilton is brutal for that team because Dougie Hamilton is a big kid with a big frame can hit, can play physical. He not he doesn't do it all the time, so don't get my words twisted. But he is a big body, but Dougie Hamilton also can skate and has great puck skills like a Tory Crew. And they don't have that crap. They they lost it. The the one guy they shouldn't have lost was Johnny Boychuk cuz Johnny Boychuk is big and can hit and play defense, but he's got a ridiculous shot and he can handle the rock. And they let that go because they thought McQuaid and Miller and those types would fill in but their blue line is uh, is is 
a big redundancy with big dudes that play shutdown defense or they block. Like they they don't they don't have they don't have a variance on their blue line. It's not there's not a good makeup overall of it. They, like all those guys are decent players. Just the mix of them is just bad. It's just bad. Big dudes that can't skate and can't tote the rock. It's not good. I mean, dude, when you have when you have good forwards that can carry the mail, like you look in Pittsburgh, you know how many people have shit on uh, Justin Schultz in Edmonton? He, and you know how many people shit on Trevor Daly in Chicago? Pittsburgh picked both of those guys up, and they are killing it. Was was Pittsburgh's acquisition of Jeff Schultz, Schultz and Trevor Daly? Ah, boy, oh boy, it's too many Schultz. And yeah, uh, just the Jeff Dallas's Justin acquisition. Nick. <laughs> who gives, gives a, a shit? shit. <laughs> and da- and Dallas's acquisition of Anton um, or Chris Russell, Anton Russell. See, there we go. It's late. Um, were they not the the perfect pickups for both those teams? I, I just I love those trades, man. Um, I don't like what Dallas gave up for for Russell, and I'm not trying to get into that right now. But when you're talking about <laughs> a team that has awful goaltending, the guy just blocks shots. So in my opinion, he's the third goalie that they need. And then, gosh, man, but Ru- but Russell Justin can Schultz also and, skate and, and move the rock. He's he's a good all around player. Yeah, he is. He is. I mean, he's not worth that. No, not worth the in, price. In but trade. like I was saying about Boston, is like they've got guys that can't tote the rock and can't move it, but R- Russell can do it. So, 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 riddle me this, Dustin Lundberg. Would you rather be paying uh, Dougie Hamilton five seven five against the cap long term, or Louis Erickson over seven million long? Given given that situation, given the young guys they have like Koklachev, Spooner. Vetrano, Pasternak, given given all that, and they got Ferraro. As a Red Wings fan, I liked Landon Ferraro. I hated that we let him go. Um, I like the way Ferraro played. Very smart, heady player, just like his dad. Um, I'd say Hamilton, dude. Defense defense is mm-hmm. invaluable. It's so invaluable. Mm-hmm. Like, but I did say like if they were able to keep a boy Chuck or something, they might be okay. But thank God they didn't have Andrew Ferentz there uh, still. Jesus Christ, would you have five of the same guy on that team? <laughs> like, yeah. like, Dougie Hamilton was huge. But you know what? There are, are, are all those reports that he was acting like a dick and he was shitty in the locker room with them. So if that, if that, if that if those claims have any validity, then I, I mean, I get why you had to move him. But they also moved Tyler Sagan based on those claims, which were pretty unfounded. I was just going and, to say, there's also another guy that they didn't particularly like and, off the uh, ice. And, and he's also man, I bet they trade a everybody. badass. Tyler Sagan is... <laughs> Tyler Sagan, if, like, I mean, you got guys like Patrick Kane. You got guys like Ben. You got guys like Kessel. Like, you know, those top-end guys that have a particular skill set. A guy like Sagan is so crazy because he's got all of it. Like, that dude is just nasty. He's got hands like Kane. He can shoot like Kessel. He can play center. You know, like he's got all of it. Like that dude is disgust. It just sucks. It seems like every time there's like a fifth of the season left, his leg blows out. <laughs> Whatever. It's like, damn, dude. So we got through the Boston Bruins. Uh, I think that's all we need to say about them right now because hell, we don't even know if they're gonna make the playoffs. <laughs> if they don't, we'll we'll revisit that team in the offseason. Well, if they I kind of hope it means they, the, play, the the wings did. <laughs> if they don't, it means the wings did. It also means the Flyers did. Let's pick up on the wings real quick. Um, 
The Wings win three straight with Jimmy Howard and Nett before losing to the Bees in a big, big way. They were severely outplayed. Uh, they, they couldn't keep up in terms of puck possession. They really dropped the ball. Jimmy Howard dropped the ball. I realized they had back-to-back games against some tough teams that are both you know, fighting to get into the playoffs. It's not an easy situation. Well, they, they had to give they to had to give Jimmy Howard that game. Based on what he did to the Flyers, any coach will tell you in that situation, like you owe that goalie that next game. Even 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 if it's a back to back. If they play that well, especially with only two games left in the season and he he gave he put up a gem against the Flyers. I watched that game. Oh, he, me too. Yeah. He put up a great. gem and and he made some big time 10 bell saves and it if he puts up that kind of game, you got to give him the next game. They had to. It backfired, but the logic behind making that decision, there's nothing to question. He like Jimmy Howard deserved. No, it start. was the right it call. Was the right call. It was the right call, and and it was really strange because for most of the season this year, at least the first half, actually, <laughs> uh, I think it was Darren Millard pointed it out, and I, I thought it was a, a funny tidbit of information. But it was Peter Morazic's birthday when Peter Morazic's birthday hit. His like Vesna candidacy went from you know being the next great goalie in the National Hockey League, and don't get me wrong, I think he's going to be down to backing up Jimmy Howard in the playoffs should they make it. And it was, it was crazy that the turnaround there. Let's pause on Jimmy Howard for one second. Well, well, because, before you know, before you before you guy. do that, I, what I'd like to say is I like that Jimmy Howard has come out of this, but, but, but any contract situation, all that aside, the, uh, if you go based off that Flyers win, they needed their veterans. They needed their veterans to step up, and Jimmy Howard's included in that group. Been there for a long time, been through a bunch of playoff runs, and they needed their veterans to step up. And it was, it was even, despite the season and the way Mrazek's played, it was good to see Howard step up in that situation. And like Brad Richards and Zetterberg, had a very good game against the Flyers. It was really good to see that veteran group show up. Well, it was kind of an oddball game because guys that that you wouldn't typically lean on ended up scoring those goals. You know, uh, Darren Helm, uh, Kyle Quincy scored that crazy empty netter that ricocheted off off of every board in the rink, and uh, Athanasiu scored shorthanded. So, and all three goals actually, (laughs) and I didn't realize this until after the game, not one of those goals had an assist. I think the last one did, and I think it was Howard's assist, actually. But, you know, the Wings, I wouldn't necessarily say that, that the team overall deserved it undeniably, but Jimmy Howard did, and he stood on his head, and I was happy to see it too. No Red Wings implications here. Any goaltender that's kind of had the year that Jimmy Howard's had with the speculation about his future, um he had a tough year, man. He really did. And so it was nice to see him come away with a, a big win, but it was kind of a bummer. I mean, again, no Red Wings bias here. It was kind of a bummer to see him shelled the very next night. And, you know, as Pasternak and Bergeron scored uh, 244 into the game and then 45 seconds into the third, the Bruins scored two more goals. So it wasn't a situation where Howard, you know, just lost the game. Like Howard lost the game for the Red Wings. So, my question to you is, like, how much do you think this this late stretch run slash drop of the ball, and we don't know what's going to happen here against the Rangers, like, how much do you think this actually affects his status over the offseason? Because Mrazek's obviously the future in net for Detroit. Howard's cap hit is, it's not great. $5.3 million through 
2018, 2019. Like, what do you see happening with with Jimmy Howard in the in the coming season? Well, that's a that's a that's a real tricky scenario because Howard has shown the last like quarter of the season that he can play like that, and we've seen him do it. Um, I think it was uh, shit. Was it I? Who was it on the NBC broadcast the other night that said, you know? They're not surprised because he's an all-star. He's, he, was, he was an Olympian. He's an all-star, and he's had playoff runs. Like, he has the credentials. He's achieved in his pro career. It's not like he's some guy that, like, he's not like a Martin Jones or somebody that, like, we have question marks or, we're like, we're not entirely sure about what's going on. He has success. He's he's achieved success. He's been an all-star, all that, all those things. He's 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 put up the numbers before. And... Like you said, like at one point, Mrazek was getting heavy, like, and I don't want to say he was getting heavy Vesna consideration, but a lot of other podcasts and media outlets were talking about, like, if Mrazek does continue this, like, you know, this reign of play, like, he could throw himself in the conversation. Well, for a long enough period, he led the league. Yeah, but he still wasn't outplaying Holtby. But like like I said, like, he was in the conversation. Like, he was putting himself in that conversation, but then all of a sudden he just, dropped off the earth you know and that goes to my theory man like you can have goalies that pick up teams but the as Red Wings fans you can admit their defense has been horse shit most of the year it just has been the numbers bear it the numbers bear it especially the special teams numbers bear it they're not not been very good and um, Mrazek and Howard even in the middle of the season when Howard wasn't strong when he played he played okay and like their goaltending actually propped that defense up especially Mrazek Mrazek propped that defense up for a long time hence hence the hence why people were looking his way you know that at one point their goals their goals uh, their goals per game was terrible like they were winning games with Mrazek and net but they weren't scoring much and their power play was awful to me that's been the Red Wings over the last you know, handful of years. Just like and, we talk about shooting percentage isn't sustainable when it's when it's overly high, you know? The same goes for goaltending. You know, like you can't fault the goalies for dropping off at a point. You have to fault the team. Like when when you're when your safe percentage and your goaltending performs at that high of a level and it covers up for a porous defense, you can't expect that to to continue over, you know, sixty plus games in a season. You can't. And at some point, it's going to be exposed because of the quality of competition and diverse competition you face over an NHL season. So you can't expect that to hold up. And that, I feel bad for Mrazek because I am I got to be the world's biggest Mrazek fan. I love that dude. I told you about him years ago when he was in the World Junior Championship lighting it up and the Red Wings had just drafted him. I was so stoked about him potentially playing for the Wings like four or five years ago. I feel bad for the kid because he, it's not his fault. Like the, 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 those Those numbers just don't hold up. He can't. You can't prop up a defense like that and then expect it to just go on. He's going to win a Vesna. Like think about the Vesna winners, winners you've seen in the past. Only, only a ha- only a couple or a handful over like a ten year period, or like a, a goalie that actually propped up a really shit defense. The last one I can think of is uh, goalie Bob. When 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 Bobrovsky won the Vesna, that's the last goalie I can truly think of that propped up a shit defense. Because Kerry Price, Bobrovsky comes yeah. to mind, and and uh, Kari Littinen too, to a certain extent. When when he did he win a he, did he, you well, know did, did he win it? I, I think he was a, a nominee. I'm about to say I don't think he ever won it. Yeah, and there's no, always, there, oh, don't nominee. get me wrong. There's always nominees that can do that. I'm talking about the guy that wins it. Right, and I mean 
no one's going to win it other than Braden Holby this year. It was just nice that Mrazek put himself in that nomination. Is more often than not, the goalie that wins the Vesna is propped up by a good team, just like the Jack Adams. Okay, it's 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 completely fucking cyclical. You take a goalie that's propped up by a good defense, which means you have a good goalie, and when you have a goalie that props up like that, no matter how you slice it, the coach is propped up. So you see a direct correlation between the Jack Adams, the Vesna, and you know what have you? Like, there's a, there's a, they all go hand in hand. <coughs> Patrick Watt. <coughs> um. Okay. So that's how he asked me, which I never directly answered. Is is what do the wings do? Well, what do the wings have? Like, I love Nicholas Cromwell. He's not a number one defenseman. Jonathan Erickson isn't even a number four defenseman. Maybe. I, the one person I've been impressed with is Kyle Quincy. Kyle Quincy's had a very good year defensively, and DeKaiser. Like, those two are really good. But point being, if they don't address that defense, like, what are you going to do on goal? If you're going to trade Jimmy Howard, what are you going to get in return? Who are you going to replace him with? You're going to call up Jared Corot from the AHL? You're going to have Corot and Mrazek? I mean, is that really going to get the job done? I, I would I would imagine that... that- if they were to deal, you sign a veteran backup or something. You sign a veteran backup, but you know what? Honestly, the more I think about I'd it, I'd say keep them. I try to make the cap hit work. I well, that's that's what I was kind of going into. Is you know, if you're going to move Howard at a five point three million dollar cap hit, you're probably going to have to retain. Yeah. And cap space is going to be an issue for the Red Wings, especially if they're trying to improve in the immediate future. And if that's a that's a thing. But that that whole Datsuk thing is is terrible for the Red Wings uh, next season, and, and to move Howard and then retain a portion of his salary, whatever that portion may be, through two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen, next year to have that on the books and not have Datsuk at his cap hit, it's going to be really tough to improve through free agency or or call up or whatever. I mean, the caps or the the Red Wings are already pretty close. Uh, in in terms of cap space, um, you've got the you've got the Datsuk audio clip with uh, Helene St. James, correct? What's the story there? Helene St. James spoke to him, and and Helene's been real close with the Red Wings for a long, long time. Uh, working with the Detroit Free Press. If you're a Red Wings fan or or a native of Michigan, you know her very well, and she knows the players very well. And I heard an interview with Datsuk. And after I heard it, I actually watched it. And I kind of said the same thing with Todd McClellan in our first podcast in regards to his press conference. And the look on Datsuk's face, the tone in his voice, and the way he answered Helene St. James wasn't good, man. It wasn't good at all. And in fact, um, I heard Chris Osgood on Sportsnet 590 say the same thing, that he couldn't speak to, to any, you know, clarity on the on the matter he didn't know for I heard sure that too. but in in his heart he didn't think it was going to happen he really doesn't expect Pavel to be back next year so I think the Red Wings are kind of shooting themselves in the foot with with Howard if they try to to move him and retain salary there is the expansion draft coming up and Howard might be a prime candidate and you know Mrazek looks great. Wait, 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 just wait, wait, as confident. Wait, wait, wait. If there is Las Vegas expansion, would that be that's not for would that be for next year? Yeah. Well, no, not not this coming up. We'd have to get through all of okay. next season. I, okay. Okay. So, but what 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 I'm saying though is, you know, I'm just as confident in Peter Mrazek as you are. 
However, this was the first season that he was tasked with with that amount of games played. And he's young, man. He's he's not that experienced at the NHL level. He's really good, but you've got to let him you've got to let him get his feet wet, especially if you're talking about the next franchise. Well, he's got his feet wet pretty paid. well this year. Yo, know, he has. He has, but he's needed Howard to to come and save him a little bit, you know, because of late, he hasn't been very good. And I realize that the Red Wings as a whole haven't been very good. But they are playing Howard right now in these games that they have to win. He did it in 2012. So he did, and I think he can do it. But considering the fact that you're not going to get much back for, for Jimmy Howard next season, and if you do, regardless of whether you do or don't, you're probably going to have to re- retain look, salary. Look, man. You might just you might just go into next year with the two guys and not even and next year. Look, see what man, happens after look, that. Just look. Every team has bad middling contracts. What do I define middling contracts as? Open up general manager, check out the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. Okay. No kidding. Middling contracts. The good thing is other than Mike Green, the Red Wings don't have that many bad middling contracts. Those are the contracts that screw you over, and the Red Wings don't have an abundance of those. And if Jimmy Howard is one of the middling contracts you have, that's a great tandem, man. Like it really, it I wouldn't mess with it. I wouldn't trade Howard unless you got great return and you didn't have to. Not sorry, not even great return. If you could get an okay return and you didn't have to retain salary, go for it on defense. Um, but if yeah. you're talking about you got to re, you got to retain a third of his salary or something, no, no. They like I said, they don't have an abundance of middling contracts, and you. Just just count him as as one of those, man. Look at every team across the NHL. They've got a guy that they overpay at that middle spot. And there's teams that have more of them than they should, and those are the teams that are screwed. But I'd just leave it be. Like I said, what are you going to do? Bring up Jared Carreau or what, what, veteran, what veteran backup is there? Like, I know you said that. Bring in a veteran. What veteran's there, dude? Who, who are you going to bring in? I haven't put too much thought into it, but I know there's oh, there's goalies there's that they're gonna there's goalies, goalies that are gonna be available, available, but and not necessarily a veteran either, you know. And I realize that's that's what Howard brings to the team, but you're also talking about a team that, you know, the players that they come up next year. Uh, Kyle Quincy comes up next year. You're gonna save some money there. Uh, Dan DeKaiser comes up, but you're not gonna move him. Beyond that, you're talking about some young kids. Palkinen, I don't want to lose Palkinen, you know, as a Red Wings fan. Um, but they haven't been playing them. Hulkinen, no, they haven't been. That's where the, the, the glory of being a Red Wings fan is we always have these decisions. There's always young kids that we got to trade or get rid of when we, when as fans, you're like, no, don't do that. But at the same time, you're probably just going to have to. Yeah, and it's Brad Richards, too. I forgot he's he's another player that, that comes up uh, at 35 To be honest, old, be he's played a lot better this regular season than he did last year for the Chicago I'm happy with I'm happier with him than I am with Mike Green. At six million dollars, I was one, I was one of the big. Well, that was what I meant by middling contracts. Mike Green is included in that conversation. You might peek over middling a little bit too. Much. Well, no, no, mid, middling he's, mid, middling he, means like four to six million dollars. Yeah, but I mean, Big Z gets paid six million dollars. I realize that's a contract signed at a different time, so it's it's yeah. But at the same really time, you're saving money on that, so that makes the middling contracts not as bad. But, dude, I, I've watched a lot of Red Wings hockey, and Mike Green, dude, the way he skates and he moves the puck, we didn't have that. Like, yeah, we've got DeKaiser and Smith and 
whatever. Dude, he does that shit on another level. Like, Mike Green is legit when it comes to moving the puck and getting it out of the zone. And, and skating it through the neutral zone, man. He's When he gets the puck past his own blue line and he gets into the neutral zone, he is ultra, ultra patient. Like, you have to watch enough Red Wings hockey to see it. He is very good with the puck in the neutral zone. And it's invaluable. Is he worth six mil? No. The Capitals played him on the third pair last year and tried to hide him. But we just had a conversation about guys that are hidden or guys that are shitty on one team but help another. Like Justin Schultz, you couldn't hide him anywhere in Edmonton. He was a piece of crap. But then you put him on the Penguins, and for some reason it just works. For some reason... It, it it works okay. He's a plus eight. I don't think he's ever been a plus anything in his career. And for some, he's a plus. <laughs> and I understand that's that's a flawed stat. But given his case, it, it's relative. Like it, it means something. Like he's moving the puck well, and he's he's playing with players that he can actually move the puck to. Like they can be in a spot for him to work. And Mike Green looks really good in a Red Wings uniform. He looks better than he has the past two years in a Capitals uniform, in my opinion. But yes, six million is a hefty price tag. It's the fact that he was used as a third pairing defenseman and, and power play quarterback in Washington that that made him more effective there in my book. I'm not I, I don't hate Mike Green. I like having him. I mean, hell man, we should have had him from the start. I'm pretty sure that's the draft pick we moved in the Robert Lang trade with caps ages ago, back when the salary cap allowed for the Red Wings to load up on veterans and push for a Stanley cup, but that's neither here nor there. The defense is what it is. And you know, they're not going to be able to move Mike green at that cap hit. And they're going to have to rely on him. You pay a guy $6 million plus he's got to play. You know in your what top we have, floor, so. I don't mind having him. I, I, we just, we need a number one defenseman. We do. We, we need a whole top pair. I mean, you could use Cronwall as your number two. But he'd be a great number five. three be a great number three. <laughs> All right. So there's one team left on the docket uh, in terms of the three teams battling it out for that last couple of spots in the East. Philadelphia Flyers. Wait a minute. Now Wait the a Flyers. Minute. What's that? Did you have more on the Red Wings? We never came to a consensus on Howard. I think they should keep him through this coming season. I don't think they should move him at the draft. I think they should keep him through the season, all the way through, if they can afford it, and see if he goes in the expansion draft. If he goes in the expansion draft, all he things would. are fixed. Honestly, we're good to get, go. based on the goalie market and what people would, based on the options for what you can keep and uh, let go in an expansion draft, he'd be he'd probably be the top goalie moved. Depending on a few things, you're right. Depending, but depending on. Well, because what we're going to see happen, and I can't honestly, man, I cannot wait until we get into a real expansion that draft shit talk. Is awesome. I think I think the NHL is worse off for adding a team, but the expansion draft process is awesome. Like that whole thing. Oh, is Oh, we're gonna have some. We're awesome. gonna have some fun. I have I have all these plans in my head. Trust me, man. But <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. But what we're gonna see a byproduct of, of that looming expansion draft is we're going to see a lot of teams sign players to one and two year deals and make them available and exposed to protect the players that they actually want to keep. I think we'll see some of that with goaltending. San Jose comes to mind with Martin Jones and James Reimer. Both those guys could easily take over that number one 
Well, uh, James Reimer's UFA at the end of this year. He is right now, but what I'm saying is, is they could sign oh, him to a yeah, contract that a makes one them to both deal exposed. Then, right, right. So there's that, and then there's the Tampa Bay situation. I mean, damn, man. You got Bishop. If they manage to keep Stamkos, gosh, that's one of the things that I took from our first podcast. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said Steve, Steve Stamkos' name more in an hour and a half time slot than I did the other night. But if they do retain him and they do sign him, the available contract space is real, real slim if they're trying to keep you know this team together to, to actually win a cup before it's all over with. But Ben Bishop has come up, man, and the name Bishop, Vegas, it works. It totally works. Vasilevsky is the shit, man. It could be. It could be a guy like Bishop. Not even Vasilevsky, but they've got Gudlevskis, who's really fucking gnarly, too. Really good. Really good. So that's what I would hold out for. I'd hold out to see if he goes in that expansion draft process, give Mrazek a backstop, give him a backboard through this coming season, because I'm not really confident that the Red Wings are going to be that much better next season. And not than unless they, they get a better season. defenseman. They made the right move by um, trading Kindle, getting that contract off the books, because Kindle signed for next year, too. So they did mm-hmm. a good thing by getting that contract off their books for next year. I think they do retain a little bit of salary, but a little bit of like a third of his salary is better than keeping the whole thing. It won't kill him. No, I mean, it's better. It it's, like I said, it's better to get rid of it, get rid of most of it than to keep all of it. So. All right. So that's, that's where we're at on Howard. Um, but the other team in the, in the fight is the Flyers. You ready to go into the Flyers real quick? Yeah. So, so I, I, I feel like the Flyers have the team makeup to get into the postseason and shake things up. I really do. But right now they're out at 92 points. They got shut out by the wings. And then last night they lose to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They didn't just lose to the Maple Leafs. And the thing is, I watched that Red Wings Flyers game. Mason was awesome in that game, and Howard was even better. Like that was an awesome goaltending duel to watch. That was gnarly. That was real, real, real good. Um, we talked about Howard on that back to back where he just shit the bed. And then you talk about the Red Wings playing Philly and having a back to back. They played Mason back to back. And he actually let Michael Grabner score in a breakaway. And when's the last time you saw Michael Grabner actually score in a breakaway? Sometime in Long Island. <laughs> exactly. And Michael... As a rookie. That's how it's going for those goalies in that back-to-back. But yeah, he let, he let Grabner score, which Grabner, nah, doesn't score in breakaways. Stone hands. He's, well, it wasn't he's for a, a fa- lack of He's effort. a faster I, I Darren think, Helm. Yeah, it wasn't for a lack of effort. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think uh, Garrett Sparks, I think he played... I think he stopped about 44 shots no, in that game. it was Bernier. Was it Bernier? Garrett Sparks played the uh, the game before. I'm pretty sure Bernier played last night. And Bernier uh, okay. actually played really well. You. A lot of people talk about the fact, uh, I, I mean, I've seen the headlines, that Garrett Sparks is being ruined by Toronto. But if you really think about it, man, Garrett Sparks played a lot of time in the ECHL this year with the Solar Bears. And he's played in the AHL. And he's played a lot in the NHL. I, I kind of think they don't have big plans for him. He's just a guy that's really solid, and he can play wherever and put up numbers. He was killing the ECHL, and he was killing the AHL. But the fact that they trade... They, so you, you think it's Bebo? It's Bebo. And I did hear something along those lines on another podcast where they talked about, well, you know, they just want to protect Bebo. 
And I got to, I have to agree with that point. Like I, cause we haven't seen anything of Bebo, but he's played really well in the AHL. And by keeping sparks up at the NHL level, Bebo gets a lot more starts and sparks has played well at every level he's played. And the first like five or six games he played for the Leafs, people were mad impressed. Like he played really well. And I think it was a nice calculated gamble that like, okay, well he might play well at the NHL level and we can shield the guy that we really think is good. Yeah, I think the kid's only twenty. But the thing is, they've given him more starts and like been sitting Bernier. It's it's a weird situation. But anyways, I that's a weird situation. Yeah, that's a weird one. Anyways, I think they're kind of stuck with Bernier. But yeah, but the Flyers are stuck with Mason. It's not it's not stuck because Mason's awesome. I mean, Mason's and one so of the best five, five save percentage goalies over the last three years. And Neuvirth has actually bettered him this season. But Neuvirth is hurt, so you see why they they went with Mason. Uh, in that game, it's you know it's Detroit with Howard. You know you play the guy that you've got to play, and you hope to get the win. They just didn't do it. So the Flyers now they're up against it. They've got uh, two games, one in hand over Boston and Detroit. The first against a terrifying Pittsburgh Penguins team, and the second against the banged up Islanders team. That season series tied at two to two. So that's going to be it's going to be a pretty epic game. But the Owls are down Hamannik, Halak, and now Anders Lee and Michael Grabowski. Mikhail Grabowski is out with a concussion, another one. And Lee, oh man, Lee. Fractured leg. The tibia or the fibia or whatever the hell it was. Labius, labius. <laughs> Sorry. But you know what, man? Those are two good playoff teams. And we talked about this last night and the potential matchups and and you know, who faces who and, and these last two games that remain. And, you know, you kind of threw it out there that the Flyers got to play two good teams. And I kind of disagreed with you on the back end, largely in part to the Islanders. I've not been that impressed with this season. And then also the injuries that they've sustained. But you might be right. But the real issue is the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins themselves in the last 10 games are first in, in the league in goals for. We all know how, how much they're tearing it up. And the Flyers are 24th in goals against. There's a big difference in the goals for, goals against columns. And that's where the Flyers are going to have to lock it down. They're going to have to try to shut down that deadly offense against the Pens. The one good thing, though, that I will say is the Penguins may just want to rest some of their superstars. You talk about Kessel, you talk about Crosby, you talk about the guys that have been scoring all these goals of late. This is a real, real meaningful game for the Philadelphia Flyers. They're going to be playing hard. They've got the guys in the lineup that can really crash and bang along the boards. You think about Wayne Simmons. The Penguins might be better served keeping their best players I, off the ice I disagree. Because a lot of the a lot of their depth guys have actually played really well. Like a lot of those young guys, like Sheary, Rust, Kunackle. Sure, yeah, you're right. But you don't think that they might contemplate benching a couple of players? No, I'm saying if they do, they they could still win the game. That's what I'm saying. Oh, like yeah. even if they yeah. do bench a couple no, good players, like right. their their depth guys or those the young guys, the young depth guys, they've still got the foot speed and like. You know, like you know, you think about Mike Richards when he was a, when he was a kid, or when he played early in his Flyers career. He was an offensive juggernaut, and then all of a sudden now 
he can't skate to save his life. <laughs> life. You know what I mean? Like when you're young, you can skate. And a lot of those young Flyers guys on the on the in the bottom six or bottom nine, or not Flyers. Sorry, Penguins. Sorry, the the young guys on the on the Penguins. They're playing really well. Like if they if they bench a Kessel or bench a whoever Crosby for for a game, like I, they could still win. I mean the Maple the Maple Leafs the Maple Leafs brought up some guys yesterday and they beat the Flyers. So you know it, it can happen. And, and the Penguins are playing great. And Matt Murray, who will start, in, and he's in nasty. Murray's concussion. Oh, he's nasty. So it, like they're there's, fine. There's another they're guy. Fine. There's another guy that might be exposed to this this expansion. No, you know? no, no, no. He won't be. Flurry will be. No, that's what I meant. Oh, okay. okay, that's what I meant. Okay, we're yeah. on the same wavelength. Sorry. Yeah, okay, I thought you were saying, "Oh, well, Murray might be exposed." I'm like, "No, they'll they'll protect Murray. They'll they'll let they'll let Mark Andre Flurry go right out the door." So let's let's break down the flyers real quick because we're full disclosure to our listeners. We're trying to aim at about 45 minutes to an hour in duration, but we're totally cool with going over it a bit if content's good and we have a lot of good things to say. So it's going to happen. It happened last time. It's going to happen this time. But we are we're sharpening our tools and refining our game. So bear with us. These are important points to make. Important points to make about some teams that are, that are some <laughs> that are vying for for uh, a postseason berth. We got to break down the Flyers a little bit here before we wrap it up. Uh, the Flyers are 16th in Corsi right now. Power plays ranked 17th. PK is worth is ranked 23rd. Faceoffs are about middle of the pack. That gives you a a little you know look at at the Flyers season as a whole. We know the Flyers top six is excellent. They've been loading up that top line with Giroux, Simmons, and Shen. They've been lighting it up. It's been one of the best lines in the league. In quite some time, uh, Giroux leads tied with Crosby for most points in the NHL in the last five seasons combined. Crosby tied him because it was Giroux for a good long time, but Crosby's Crosby and he's come around, like we mentioned last time we talked, and and really, really shown the world that he's he's not fading and he's he's not losing. No, just like just like we soon. thought about Ovechkin for two years, the little hockey world thought about Ovechkin. <laughs> I I know I, I did I said the but hockey I will. world like yeah oh yeah he's faded he's not very good okay why don't you just wait a minute asshole like <laughs> I will admit though I will admit I I I jumped on that bandwagon against Crosby this season and I was I was completely wrong Crosby is Crosby there's not very many players if any that are better than him and when we talked about the heart candidacy last time around man I. I could just as easily vote for Sidney Crosby. And that's a lot. That's a lot coming from Well, me. they they had a coaching change and they were playing like crap and he brought it all together. That's what a heart that's what a heart trophy is. Most valuable to the team. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have done that. Even though they changed the coach out and all that nonsense. If it wasn't for him, it wouldn't have happened. The the turnaround wouldn't have happened. Yep. And you got to say the same thing about a guy like Wayne Simmons on Philadelphia. You know, he leads the team with 30 goals. It's his third straight season to hover around that mark. Simmons does everything. I love, man. I love Wayne He's, Simmons, man. I would I would pay all the money in the world to have three of them on the Red Wings. I, dude, he is 
I love that dude. You, he's the he's that guy. He's one of my very. He's favorites. that guy that you can put on any line. So if you had all the money in the world and you could clone them, you would clone four of them and put one on each one of your lines. You'd you'd just do it. Yep. Simmons scored last time the Penguins and the Flyers met up. He's got nine against them in in his career, and he scored nineteen times at home this season. Pretty solid. So the Flyers take on the Penguins at home. Look for Wayne Simmons to be a, a big difference maker. And Braden Shen, the other guy in that top line, 25 goals and 57 points. It's been quite the breakout season for Braden Shen. We're finally seeing the player that we all thought he could be. This team's pretty scary on the top. And especially considering after that top line, it's a lot less impressive. Couturier's been great, great two-way presence. He's been more of a defensive guy in his career thus far, but his offense is coming around. Jacob Voracek's been a huge disappointment with 11 goals this season. He's got a shitload of assists. He does, but Voracek's failed to deliver in terms of goals, especially compared to last year. You know, we all expected a lot more out of Jake Voracek. But, hey man, he's not playing with Giroux this season. Doesn't he have over 40 assists? Yeah. Uh, Then what's the problem? I do believe he does. (sighs) The The man's getting about 60 points and we're chastising. I, I his first half of the season was bad, but he like the whole second half of the season he's played great. He's played just fine. He's I think it's more of a byproduct of of David of Dave Haxtell and how is he how he's deployed. Well, that's him. I mean you can't because take that away from the player though. It's it's you know it is what it is. I think you're if his if you're as thin as the Flyers are offensively then you need a guy like Jake Forcheck to make more of an offensive statement and, and put the puck in the net. I really do. 11 goals just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, well, when you got f- I think over Voracek's, 40 assists, that means you're helping somebody else put the puck in the net. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how many of them are primary, though. I really would. I'm not going to look that up right now. <laughs> yeah, good luck, fucker. <laughs> but I would be interested. I can. I can if you want to take this for a minute. But it, it, it's it's the bottom six that really bums me out about the Flyers. And when you look at their possession numbers and you look at their struggles on the penalty kill in particular, I think if the Flyers get in or they miss, I think they need to find a couple of role players, a couple of possession players that can you know, play defensive minutes. I think that makes a huge difference. They need to be able to break up Braden Shen from that top well, line. It's, it's not even get... that. It's it, When they played the Red Wings, I noticed on their penalty kill, they were trotting out like Matt Reed and like Bellamare and it was like in like Vandeveld. It's like, man, you got to. I hate to play the I that's hate to I'm play saying. the name card, but like based on those guys and their general performance, it's like that's those aren't names that excite you. No, we talked about it in the last episode about the bottom six and role players making the, the difference in the postseason. And those and three names when don't you're do loading it for up. You. No, when you're loading up your top line with all three of your best goal scorers in Braden Shen and Wayne Simmons and Claude Giroux, we've already established that Claude uh, that Jacob Vorchek's not scoring goals. You load all three of your top goal scorers on the top line, you're just limiting yourself, man. Sean Couturier can play those defensive minutes. He can be the shutdown guy. But you got to find a way to get Braden Shen down the lineup, play down the middle in the second line. Voracek and Giroux were clicking before. If Shen and Simmons were clicking in that way on the second line and you were able to get Couturier, Couturier on your third line, 
it's a much deeper team. So the the Flyers they've got a little tinkering to do in the off season, but it's it's too late now. We'll just see if they can get in. And I still think with how strong they are at the front and how strong they are in net, they could get in and they could mess somebody's day up in the postseason. Yeah. One more thing I want to circle back to that actually reminds me. Um, I was talking about the Penguins and possibil- the possibility of them not playing some of their star players. The Red Wings might get some help tomorrow as the Rangers will start Antiranta in net. Victor Stahlberg will be out. Matt Zuccarello will be out. Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi will all be missing from the lineup. Is it confirmed so, that Ranta's starting? It's confirmed. It is confirmed. There's there's a couple different opinions on that. There's a couple different opinions on that. Some opinions suggest that the Rangers are really trying to avoid playing the Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> in the first round. Uh, and I'd avoid playing them in the first round. I would too. And you know what well, else? Yeah, I what do? I heard. Yeah, that's what. That's right. If if they don't if they don't play the Penguins, they'll end up playing the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And I'd now, rather play the Panthers right now. Luongo hasn't been especially hot the past month and a half. So, mm-hmm. and we, and Tr- we alluded and to Trocek the fact that the Panthers are strong. Is out. Trocek is out, and I made I made the statement. I, I think we both made the statement that we thought the Panthers could walk the Islanders. We thought the Panthers could could get it done in the first round, and I still do. And I'm going to stand by that. I don't want to go back and, and backtrack on it. But the Panthers' underlying numbers do suggest that they're they're getting a little lucky. The PDO count is a little high across the Whatever, board. Whatever, man. Against, against Lundqvist in the first round, I don't. Yeah, I don't see that happening. I I don't see that. I don't see them shelling Lundqvist in a seven game series and like getting past them. I don't, man. I think I think they could, but I think it's, it's a series. Uh, it'd have to be a series. Now, could they? Like we said, could they do it to the Islanders? Yeah, their goaltending's not that straight. Everybody's been injured on and off in the net. And actually, throughout the whole lineup, everybody's been injured on and off for the Islanders. So, yeah, the Panthers could pull that off. But against the Rangers, I don't know about that. The Rangers were just sunk by the Islanders 4-1 to last night. And so they faced the Red Wings, but they're without all these key players. And I, I'm not going to be the one to, to subscribe to the theory that the Rangers are intentionally losing. It's like the whole tank concept to avoid the Pittsburgh Penguins, but it certainly doesn't seem like they're trying to face them. And when I'm the New York Rangers, and this all ties in together, I'm not going to go off on a tangent about the Rangers. If I'm the New York Rangers, not only am I not trying to see Pittsburgh in the first round, but I'd much rather see the Detroit Red Wings potentially in the playoffs at some point than I would the Flyers. So if the Rangers lose to the wings and get the wings in, I think for all intents and purposes as a Rangers player or fan, it's better for the Rangers. It's a good thing. It's better for the Rangers. So that might be the saving grace for the Red Wings, man. We might, we might go for 25. We just might. Which I was wrong about last podcast. I said 24. It's 25. 25 consecutive years. Yeah. We're, we're going to be wrong about a lot yeah. of things. <laughs> but the Flyers are, are interesting, man. And, you know, we don't have to, to dig in too deep, but that's one thing that I want the Flyers to look at this season. They got a lot of depth in defense, a lot in the cupboard, defensively speaking. So they might look for 
some good possession players. I, I look through on waronice.com and Corsica uh, just now and some good pers- you know possession players that I've noticed that can play defensive minutes and shut it down on the PK. Um, this isn't a, you know, a great list, but uh, Nita Ryder stands out. Cody Eakin stands out. Anton Russell stands out. Luke Lendenning. You know, I think there's options. And then David Backus is available in free agency. I mean, that's a big contract, but I think it's possible for the Flyers to round out their off their uh, their bottom six in that capacity and, and get a better two-way player in their roster. Um, all these things are going to come together tomorrow. There's a lot of teams' fates that will be determined, man. Big hockey between 12.30 and 3 p.m. Eastern. Red Wings play the Rangers. Blue and Bruins take on the Senators, and the Flyers take on the Penguins. I think we're going to be talking again real soon, and we're going to have some answers. Um, we need to get it wrapped up. I had a couple of quick notes that I wanted to run by you, man. You in for a couple more, couple more hot takes before we go? Yeah, man. What you got for me? All right. So, amongst all of the games, meaningful games that happened last night, one of them was a loss by Brayden Holby. He loses in overtime to Pittsburgh, who we've just been talking about. Hell of a game. So, Holby's got. Two games left. Barry Trotz has already come out and said that Grubauer and Holpe are going to split the two remaining games. First one's against St. Louis. Last one's against Anaheim. Much like these other teams, the Rangers, the Penguins, so on and so forth, a lot of these teams, these upper echelon teams, need to start resting some players Mm -hmm. so we don't know who's going to get rested. Let me ask you this. Do you want Holpe to catch Berder? Is he one behind right now? He's one behind from tying at 48. I mean, that's that's kind of up to the coach and the and the player. And they also have they also no, have do you, but do you want for Holtby? Do I want him to? I I mean, records are meant to be broken. They should always you should always look for him to be broken. Like I've I I listened to Brodeur's quotes about the whole situation. And he said he hopes he does it and that he'll be the first guy to call him and congratulate him. And he should. Uh, this is what I do. If I'm Barry Trotz, I say, hey, man, you're going to start the next game. We're clinched. We're good. We're number one seed. I'll give you the next game. And if you lose, Phillip's going to start the last one. Because, I mean, I'm not going to bust my, bu- my bust my back to get you the record and put us in a bad spot. The only issue with that in, in, in my mind is how it potentially affects his confidence heading into the postseason. And I felt like a month ago, two months ago, I've been – preaching it all along that the Capitals are good enough to clinch and, and win the president's trophy. I've felt like players like Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom or Evgeny Kuznetsov or John Carlson or Braden Holtby should have been rested a lot more. And I, I fear that there's too much emphasis put on some of these records. Ovechkin's going for 50 again. He's real, real close. I think he's three goals away. Holtby's going for this Purdue record. I wonder what it does to Holby's confidence if he doesn't catch it, if he fails to deliver in these last games. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting vantage point because, you know, if you go into the postseason down in any respect, and look, man, the Caps really haven't been overly dominant over the last month. I mean, they've, they've been good enough, but they haven't been the same dominating team. And, you know, you wonder what that's a direct result of. But, 
for me, if I'm if I'm Martin Brodeur, I'm probably sitting in the stands with a laser pointer, but maybe I'm just a sore loser. I don't know. <laughs> um, another point, uh, Edmonton Oilers closed Rexall Place in fine style. We won't get into that whole night. I think the, the night itself was a four to six hour ordeal, but it was it was pretty damn cool. I didn't watch the whole thing. I'm going to go back and on DVR and watch it uh, and, and take a good look. It it does make you wonder about the tank, you know, Edmonton going for Austin Matthews, as they should. I know no one wants to see it happen, but they should do it. But the the most telling thing about the whole night to me was that the last two players, and this was this was pointed to on I believe it was five ninety, um, Sportsnet, that the last two players on the ice to leave were ninety nine and ninety seven. And if that doesn't tell you something about the future of guys like Taylor Hall and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and all those players that were supposed to be that next guy in Edmonton, we talked about it last time. I don't know what else does. I just don't because McDavid's that guy. I mean, look at his points per game. Just look at the way he look at how he plays. Look how fast he is. Look how strong he is. He he's he's just obviously better than those other guys. He just is. You can't. Which makes yeah, everyone but, else move. Yeah, but I still think that the whole conversation is reading too much into it. To say, well, he was the last guy to walk off the ice. Well, yeah, because he was the last guy picked first overall, and he was a consensus guy. Like, yeah. They had Gretzky, who was all-time best player ever in hockey, period. And McDavid, who was the next chosen one. Okay, like, I don't, I, I've, I've heard the art, I've read the articles. I've heard the stuff on podcasts about... You know, if you're Taylor Hall, are you salty? Or it's like, well, why? Do you think you're better than McDavid? Because I'll tell you right to your face right now that you're not better than Connor McDavid. You're not. He's a better hockey player. So then what? what's the conversation? Why is there a conversation? I just think, and I, I'm certain that there's a lot, of, a lot of players that are disappointed that they know that they're not going to be a part of. And that's of not, that's, that's their problem. They didn't perform. The future and. Well, there's there's also just as many suggestions going about that Taylor Hall can't wait to get out of Edmonton. So, you know, it'll play out how it's going to play out. I just thought it was interesting to to see that go down, and I do wonder what's going on inside of Taylor Hall's mind. I don't have any, you know, hard feelings against Taylor Hall as a player. I think he's one of the best power forwards in the NHL, and the reason that I think they should move him is not because he he can't become a part of that winning philosophy in Edmonton. It's because I think out of all the players that they'd be willing to move, we'll get the most return. Lastly, Jonathan Drouin. We talked about it last time. Finally got called up, man. Finally got called up. The Lightning lost two after we talked about it. They brought him in. He puts puts a team-leading four shots on net, scores the game winner. It wasn't like it was an overtime. No, and if you watch the play, there was, was a the drop winner. stick on the ice, been, and Adam Larson kind of halfway tripped on it. And then it allowed it allowed Drew kind of, to go yeah, by him, and he, on it. it was a pretty it, weak five hole shot on Kincaid. But it, nonetheless, he scored. It, but it wasn't it wasn't some like groundbreaking ridiculous scored. play that he made. It just, but he scored. He scored, and I, I liked I liked his approach. I liked the way he celebrated it. You could you could tell, and and the way that he celebrated it, there's a lot of you know frustration and turmoil that that just got kind of released there in that fist pump he didn't go all gaudy and and you know elaborate he he was good in the in the post game press conference i played 1541 in the game 
and he played on a line with two guys that we mentioned last time out in uh, Vlad Nemestikov and Alex Kalorn. The three of them were great in possession, and it did allow Philpola, like we talked about, to play the defensive minutes. Well, then uh, it allows the triplets Drew to and play. back on the Lightning, man. It's, yep, the triplets play. Philpola plays the defensive minutes. Drew in, Kalorn and Nemestikov. One day I'm going to get that right. They look good next to Hot each cats. other. So, you know, I, I'm not saying that I think Tampa Bay's, you know, just just as well off without Stamkos and the rest of the gang. But I'm just, I'm glad they got him up. I'm glad Drew in looks good. If nothing else, at least, you know, they've got a player on NHL ice in the play, in the playoffs, nonetheless, that they could potentially move with, with some kind of, you know, palpable uh, uh, worth to him as a player at the NHL level. So it's good for the Tampa Bay Lightning and it's good for Drew in. And I'm glad that they could, at least get past all that. I mean, the hand was forced, but I'm glad that yeah, they made and, it happen. Uh, John Cooper had very timid, but like complimentary things to say at the end of the game, you know, like, Hey, this is what we, he earned his way up here. You know, none of that stuff matters. And he scored a game winning goal and good for him. That's basically what Cooper said. Good for him. You know, he did it good for him. It's good. It's good for us. Good for him. It, it's fine. Everything's fine. Yep. All right, Dustin, I think, uh, I think we failed to, to get it under no, the. This is going to be another. This is going to be another <laughs> hour, hour and a half. Or, so, sorry, yeah. everybody. We'll but that's okay, man. I, shut up. I'll tell you and what, talk between, so much. It's cool, man. Like we said at the start of the show, we're going to get there. We're going to figure out some of the things that we're not doing quite right. It's going to get a little more fluid and also be a little bit shorter. But that I'm pretty. I'm pretty happy with it. I think we. I think we got pretty much everything out that needed to be said tonight. It's. It's a big time in hockey this time of year. Yep. Well, on that note, everybody, thanks for tuning into the No Pucks Given podcast, and we'll see you down the line shortly. As we told you, after the next couple of days, once the playoff matchups are set, we will be doing a playoff preview edition. So tune in for that. What do you want to do there, man? You want to go like East what is Coast? This? What is this? The, the rap night game battle West from the, the 90s? Or? <laughs> we'll go Jesus. we'll go bloods and crips uh, <laughs> nah man we'll probably do it do it do it divisionally divisionally works I'm sold I'm sold on it hope you guys no, are too yeah, we'll spend yeah, two hours about. on each division eh <laughs> <laughs> yup we'll see you alright man it was a lot of fun peace <laughs>